0: Here's the Fangirls on Jackalope Radio.
1: Hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and with me tonight for I believe his fifth appearance is Mr. Troy Dwyer.
0: I'm back.
1: He's back in black, y'all.
0: <laughs> is that CB4?
1: Yes, is CB4. I'm back, y'all. <laughs> Um, So in this episode, we're actually going to be talking, uh, we got a lot of Weekend Geek stuff to cover, and at the end of the episode, we're going to be doing what I call a Teachings of a Fangirl segment, which I think we've only done one other time, and that was uh, me rambling off the entire history of Nightmare on Elm Street franchise to Rachel, who didn't know anything at all about it. Um, This time around, Troy actually knows a little bit about what we're going to be doing the teachings about, which is the Night Stalker. Yes. Yeah, bonus, bonus. Um, the Night Stalker uh, TV series, which ties into one of the biggest um, weeking geek news items that's been uh, kind of rampaging around the internet this week. So uh, let's get started because we have a lot to talk about. Um, I'm ready? Alrighty. So the first thing is uh, the movie, The Raid: Redemption, which is probably one of the best martial arts films i've seen in probably the last 20 years i think it's way up there um and troy and i actually got to see this together and then we actually loved it so much we found it somehow by accident they were actually playing it at a local theater the sequel to it which is how long was that like over two hours
0: yeah it was a really long movie
1: but you didn't notice because it was just amazing and just filled your eyes with glorious violence for two hours (laughs) glorious violence uh so the raid redemption as i said one of the best movies martial arts films in the last 20 years um they are of course sony screen gems are wanting to remake it and yeah they're wanting to remake it which it's not even that old i think it's only like what three or four years old if that um
0: so they're gonna make a hollywood version of this
1: it's going to be a Hollywood version of it, which makes no sense to me because I'm not sure where in the States you would find a giant high-rise filled with crackheads, drug lords, with their own, basically, their own <laughs> military force.
0: Uh, 25th and 8th in, in uh, <laughs> Manhattan.
1: But, uh, you know, the ongoing joke is, didn't they already remake this with the movie Dread? And yeah. uh, so I kind of don't know why they're wanting to do this the, the film stands well on its own and you really there's no excuse for it uh so
0: funny.
1: yeah that's it but here's what's so funny is the list of people that they want to cast in this i'm looking at it and i'm trying to figure out who these guys could play because when i think of these guys except for maybe one of them i really don't see badass action hero written anywhere um luke evans who shows up in everything i've made this joke a couple of times on this show if you're wanting to if you can't get james mcavoy you get luke evans uh luke Luke evans luke evans has been in basically everything okay you you know him probably as i believe he played zeus was he zeus in um uh the immortals (laughs) I think. He
0: flipped. <laughs> I've, I've never seen that movie.
1: Yeah, you did. You no, saw it with me. Yeah. No, no I didn't. You're no. denying. You're you're denying.
0: I didn't see it.
1: And you, you saw Fast and the Furious Six, right?
0: Yeah. He
1: was the bad guy in Fast Six. He's the Raven in there, the Raven. There was
0: the bad guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. The he. I don't, he I don't remember. The, yeah, he was in the Raven. He was in the Three Musketeers. Uh, he was in Clash of the Titans as Apollo. So basically, if you want to play, it, have somebody play it, uh, a a god, you get Luke Evans.
0: I really have uh, no idea who this guy is.
1: He's Bard the Bar the Bard the Bowman in The Hobbit.
0: Oh, that guy.
1: Yeah, remember he shows up in everything.
0: Why, why didn't you lead off with that?
1: Because I know him from all this other crap. Plus, I know him as the guy that's playing Dracula that has no business playing Vlad Tepish. Huh. Plus, he's playing Eric Draven in the Crow remake.
0: The Crow is a... Remake.
1: No, the Crow wasn't a remake. The oh. Crow was a comic
0: book movie, the oh, original.
1: Right. Now they're remaking it. And he's playing Eric Draven. He
0: All played... I remember is that What Do You Want, Clown Man? <laughs> from the TV show.
1: Yeah, that, that was kind of a remake. Anyway, Luke Evans, Anthony Mackie, who Troy knows as the Falcon um because he kept saying how much the falcon was going to suck in captain america and i kept saying no he's going to be awesome
0: listen listen yeah after all we've been through you had to have some pause Um, no okay no no we didn't Frank, why you're always disappointed
1: i know shush I have I have dreams and aspirations for things they get crushed a lot. Uh, Frank Grillo is up for a role in this. Supposedly he's on the list for um, in there. And then, uh,
0: who is Frank?
1: Frank Grillo is I. I he's one of those he's, guys that you even know he is. He's one of those guys that you know him by his face, uh, but you don't know his name. And he's actually I believe the lead in the upcoming um, Purge movie uh, sequel. That's coming okay. out
0: really soon. So you're the exact opposite because you just know his name, but you have no idea what he looks like.
1: No, I know what he looks like. I just
0: well, who is he? Then? don't
1: know his name. He was in the gray. He was in warrior. Um, he was also, he's one of those, uh, he was in, Oh, that's right too. I keep forgetting. I always forget the series. He was in the gates, which you don't even have any idea what series that I'm talking no, about. I don't
0: know what you're talking about. Yeah. And no one else
1: did either. That's why it's not on TV anymore. Um, so he's up for possibly a role. Now all of this is kind of conjecture that these guys are up for these roles, but um the other one is Ethan Hawke who <laughs> I'm trying to really figure out who the hell oh, he Oh, you
0: know play. what it is. It's that that movie with the the Mustang and and the 17-year-old what's her name? Selena Gomez.
1: Oh god. Yeah, he keeps making movies those weird odd kind of they should really be going direct-to-DVD flicks,
0: doesn't he? Well, that was a theatrical release.
1: I know, but they really... i Sorry, I said they really should be direct-to-DVD
0: He's come a long way from uh, Explorers.
1: Oh, Explorers. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Um, but the official word has come down this week, finally, that... Um, look, I don't believe this was ever in doubt, but with all the other stuff going on, which I think everyone's kind of forgotten about now because this movie did so well. Uh Brian Singer is officially going to be directing X Men Apocalypse.
0: Yay. Who's yeah. Apocalypse?
1: See, this is Troy to Troy didn't know who Apocalypse was. Um and You're lucky I, I
0: know who Brian Singer is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a bad hat, Harry. No, wait. Yeah. Um so anyway uh apocalypse is actually uh at the end of x-men days of future past in the post-credit sequence they set it up this is not a big spoiler really because by now everyone that's seen gonna see this movie has seen it um what's funny though is i didn't even recognize apocalypse because he this was a way flashback to he's a little scrawny guy in a hooded cloak Putting together with his special powers a pyramid, and that what triggered me going, my God, it's apocalypse! Was the four horsemen in the background? Uh, some people didn't catch that part. Actually, they didn't think, see them.
0: I think everyone caught that. No, they watched it.
1: No, they didn't. I actually, yeah. no people that said there were the four horsemen. Where were they?
0: There was a guy in the theater that actually said out loud, "Look, son, it's the four horsemen." <laughs>
1: I'm just telling you what kidding. I know for truth. Uh, so X Men Apocalypse is going to happen, of course, because X Men uh, Days of Future Past like made bank
0: this weekend. It's b- bank in progress.
1: Yeah, it's just going to keep broken. I think. And uh, actually, I don't. You know, it's this weekend. Um, Maleficent's coming out, and um, A Million Ways to Die in the West is coming out. I actually have, I actually wonder. I think it's going to be Maleficent's probably going to be number one. Maybe.
0: Maleficent I, will be number one. And I think X Men. the other Days movie's of, an R rated movie.
1: I think X Men Days of Future Past is going to be number two.
0: And, it's really difficult for an R rated movie to make a lot of money.
1: Yeah, but now you you saw what he's thrown in there, and you're going to get all of because, you know, Seth Seth uh, MacFarlane is all about the the retro vibe and getting all the people that are our age to come in to see their movie by throwing guys like Sam Jones. And then you've got, they, they kind of ruined it though, by, by letting it out of the bag like that. Um, Christopher Lloyd showing up as Doc Brown. Right. Uh, so yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to do really well, but I think it is going to be Maleficent number one and, and days of future past two followed by uh, A Million
0: Ways to Die. Well, it's hard to say, but, you know.
1: Eh, I'm going to go with that and we'll see. Um, but the uh, the thing that I find uh, really I'm excited about for Apocalypse is the fact that they're going to set it in the 80s and they're going to, um, from what I've heard, and they're going to bring in a bunch of the first-class cast and members of the original cast are probably going to be coming back uh, because they, they would... Basically, uh, Days of Future Past was a flip of the bird to Brett Ratner and Last Stand.
0: It now, was- I, I do know a little something about this.
1: Okay. Even though
0: ahead. I don't know anything about Apocalypse, and I don't care for comic movies. <laughs> um, but I do know something about this, believe it or not.
1: We're getting divorced. the uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> The papers are being drawn up. Uh, what I under- understood was is that the... Uh, Days of Future Past made a lot of money. Yes. And that the plot for the next movie, for this apocalypse movie, is supposed to be another time travel saga. So because of that, they can fit these cameos in for the original X-Men cast who they had said weren't going to be in the movie from the beginning. I was like, one of the very first things they said was, yeah, no, we're not going to have Patrick Stewart. We're not going to have Ian McKellen. You know, We're not going to do any of that. But now the movie's made a lot of money they obviously want to pay to have those people back. And so they're going to probably just be in a a cameo capacity and it's going to be the principal cast from first class plus Hugh Jackman.
1: Yeah, I think that's what they're going to do. I, I, and it may even be that they're just doing a flat, you know, a present time thing where, um, uh, professor X is telling, you know, Wolverine, um, here's what happened because he, when he shows back up, he doesn't know any of the stuff that occurred in between. And I think he's getting him caught up to speed on what has occurred. And I think that's what this is going to be is a right. flashback.
0: That, that is actually part of it, that this movie is going to bridge some of the events between Days of Future Past and the first X-Men movie.
1: Right. And that means they can bring back Evan Peters as Quicksilver, and they can bring back um, – there. that's where we're getting into the whole young Nightcrawler, young Gambit uh Casting, which I find funny because they already screwed that up with Wolverine Origins by having Gambit be so young in in there. He wasn't; he was like twenty something years old when that happened.
0: Yeah. So he's already maybe that had Will I Am in it, right? Yeah, and it had Deadpool.
1: Yeah, sort of. Troy, you know what? Here's what's funny: uh, Troy doesn't know anything really about Deadpool, but I, I have a feeling that if Troy ever read the comics, he would. Love Deadpool. Deadpool would be his spirit animal.
0: Okay, so, I have no response to that. Because yeah, I, don't I know anything about Deadpool.
1: You need uh, everybody needs to like send Troy via. You can email me anything that you think Troy needs to read about Deadpool because I think Troy and Deadpool would be best buddies.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but they'll, they'll make a good dead, Deadpool movie. And
1: here's hoping. Here, here's hoping because he deserves it. it. I love Deadpool. Um, so, Troy, what did you think about X-Men Days of Future Past? We'll do a quick review. Um,
0: <laughs> it's funny because uh, no one's actually asked me that since I've seen it.
1: I can't believe no one asked you.
0: No. I liked it.
1: I I really enjoyed it, too. I really like the um, – it, it really wasn't about – the ex, the, it wasn't really about superpowers. It was more about the relationships and everyone coming back together. But I did find it amusing that James McAvoy was doing his best dude from Lebowski like, <laughs> throughout a lot of the film. There were
0: a couple of scenes there where I thought maybe he was going to be buying half and half with a check
1: <laughs> with <laughs> He's white really Russians. Scared. You will give me your vodka and your... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, the the movie was it was really good and you know I I was expecting a lot of the regular X-Men type things to happen. You know, I thought Wolverine would have some really long elaborate fight scene and things like that didn't happen in the movie. It was was a much more it was it was kind of like the movie was uh was constructed to right a wrong. Which and, I
1: think it was. <laughs> yeah, and I
0: think I think it was too a lot. Uh, it, it was kind of it, it was kind of that movie that you have to make when you realize you've you've gone horribly off course and you want everything to be kind of fixed in some time travel you know plot convenience playhouse and that's yeah. what
1: Yeah. And and I I liked that it made I you know a lot of people were talking about plot holes and there might have been some but I think for for the the plot that this movie had it did really well keeping everything cohesive. And uh, I really love the performances. I love Michael Fassbender as Magneto. He does such a great job. I really uh, loved McAvoy. He brought it. And, um, yeah, I just really, really enjoyed the film. And just
0: uh, me? I, I have a really difficult time picturing McAvoy and Patrick Stewart being uh, the same person.
1: You know, somebody did, like, a comparison somewhere of that, and... It wasn't as much. It was more of a stretch than Ian McKellen and and um,
0: Michael Fassbender. Michael
1: Fassbender. Fassbender. Uh, the uh, the the. What really cool thing is you should go check out. They. Um, I think it was Yahoo UK movies. Did a uh, had McAvoy and and Stewart together and Fassbender and McKellen together and they made each of them do an impression of the other. And <laughs> and, and and Michael Fassbender. Was dead on as Ian McKellen, and of course Ian McKellen's like glittering in, in his eyes, like looking at him, thinking, "Yeah, I, I'd hit that." You <laughs> <So he, he laughs> can totally tell. Oh, oh my you're god, terrible. I'm not. I, I, it's not me. Ian McKellen is is. Uh, he's just a. He's just a slut,
0: and he knows it, and he doesn't care. You're, you're a terrible person, <laughs> and there's there's a special place for terrible people like you to go when you die.
1: Uh, and I'll be there with Ian McKellen and it'll be all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving on to the other franchise that's slowly building. Um, the word is how they're going actually, and, and the words coming from Kevin Smith, who actually has nothing to do with Batman versus Superman. Um, he just is friends with the guy playing Batman. Uh, He's getting all this info out and uh, on his podcast that he sends. He's he does because that's all he basically does anymore. I think he made a movie lately. I think the, he made one movie. Kevin Smith? Yeah, I feel,
0: I feel like I should know who that is.
1: Um. So anyway, it sounds like what they're doing according to Smith is. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you knew that the title is Dawn of Justice.
0: Yeah, I did know that. In, in fact, I <laughs> I heard something funny. Is that it uh that the title had a kind of a legal bent. So it wasn't going to be Batman versus Superman. It was gonna be more like Kramer versus Kramer. So it's <laughs> played out in a courtroom.
1: <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> Dunno.
0: And probably a better movie.
1: Yeah, I think they need to have the soundtrack from Criminal Intent. Yeah, Dick Wolf doing it. Uh, so it sounds like what they're doing is they're D C is going kind of guns blazing. They're going to do, it's basically, this is going to be setting up like six movies. They're they're doing one giant movie storyline with like six movies and it's all Justice League. So there's not going to be just a Superman movie or just a Batman movie. It's all going to be interconnected.
0: The whole thing just sounds horrible
1: it sound you know it's exactly what i said which is they're trying desperately to to catch up to marvel instead of doing what marvel did which i you know which individual movies leading to avengers and then you have each individual franchise still having its own films that are working to another avengers movie they're just trying to smush it all together yeah and i don't think they are going to You know what, I would love to be absolutely wrong, but I don't think I'm going to be, that this is going to be a a disaster.
0: Yeah, but pretty much everyone is saying that.
1: I know, except for Kevin Smith.
0: He can't say that. (laughs)
1: Because Ben Affleck will come by with his boys from Boston and kick his ass, I guess. He'll
0: he'll go to some college and have a big monologue, and then he'll talk about how stupid the movie was going to (laughs) be.
1: And the giant spider at the end. And the a end giant
0: of- spider, as yeah. As well.
1: um, also in comic news this week that just got announced, um, which is a uh, a Marvel connection, uh, they have announced who is going to be playing Daredevil in the Marvel Netflix TV series.
0: Dun, dun, dun. I His read this name- today.
1: Yeah, it's Charlie Cox, and I am not really, I mean, I think I remember him being on Boardwalk Empire, but the thing I remember him from is he's the main, uh, the main guy in Stardust. He's the guy that um, he falls in love with.
0: Yeah. So, so, so what do you think?
1: Oh. Uh...
0: <laughs> <laughs> and this is why you're not a casting agent.
1: Yeah, because my casting would actually work. Um, I don't know. He looks too young. He looks too sweet. Uh, Matt Murdoch should be a little bit grizzly. Uh, you know who I thought played really? a great. You know who I I thought played a great Matt Murdoch, and you're going to laugh. Batman. And no one else is going to remember this but me. I thought Rex Smith did a great job in the trial of the Incredible Hulk. I liked him as Matt Murdoch.
0: Yeah, I don't. I have the slightest I, idea what you're talking. About. I
1: didn't like the suit because they made it look like this whole black kind of uh, ninja thing. But I really, I liked him as Matt Murdock. He had the jaw, he had the, the, I I just liked him. He's the guy that played Street Hawk.
0: Oh. Okay.
1: Yeah, so he he actually, yeah.
0: See, I don't know much about Daredevil either, because I saw that bad movie.
1: And and you completely decided not to know anything about Daredevil after that. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like with the last Airbender movie, when people went and saw that, they're like, oh, well this if this is what the the cartoons like screw this
0: yeah yeah
1: pretty much we don't speak um, of that we don't speak of that at all um so moving on to uh here's another one of those things that happen sometimes in in hollywood where you have two two, fr- two separate entities working on the same sort of story um so, Harry Houdini is apparently going to be the big thing this year, or in the upcoming year. And uh, the first one that I actually just learned about the other day when I was watching that awesome uh, World Wars miniseries that they're doing on the History Channel. Uh, is that they are making a miniseries with Adrian Brody as Harry Houdini. Oh. And I, I find it interesting because Adrian Brody doesn't look a... Damn, thing like Harry Houdini. <laughs> 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 the, at all, at all. But he's a good actor. But he is a good actor, and I don't mind him being in like um, with his shirt off in a bat of water at all. I not have a problem with that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so it is going to be produced. It's going to be a four-hour miniseries, and it's going to focus on his. He and Houdini and his wife are very, very close, and so the miniseries is going to right follow. Now. Yeah, I think they're buried with each other at this point, I hope.
0: Oh, I thought uh, she was dead. Yeah. See, I was confused. I thought you meant maybe Adrian Brody was close to her. <laughs> <laughs> he's keeping her corpse in the attic.
1: No, well, he's had to get into character, you know. So <laughs> it helps. Uh, so the, the miniseries is going to follow Houdini's life, and it's actually going to be really cool because it is the History Channel. They're going to focus on aspects like the people he knew and all the lives that he crossed paths with as, as he was one of the most popular um, magicians in, in history. Uh, so they're going to ta- they're going to show him meeting like Rasputin and Arthur Conan Doyle and all the, all the U S presidents that he ran, you know, came back came to know. So that's going to be really, really cool. I'm really excited about that. Uh, so.
0: But you you're have also that- excited about the casting.
1: No, I am. I, I I like Adrian Brody. I, I, I like seeing him. He does, good, he does good work, even when he's, like, having weird sex with the bi, bi-sext um, winged... It's taking too long. Winged, Forget he, it. Have you seen Splice?
0: Yeah, saw it with you.
1: Remember that? That nope. was odd. <laughs> 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 I love how you can block things. Yes, that's, that's, that's how weird. I get by. That's how he gets by. So... The other um the other actor who maybe um is pretty much guarant- guaranteed is going to happen at this point. He's in talks to do it is uh Johnny Depp is going to play oh. Houdini.
0: Flop incoming. They're going to spend 200 million on this movie. It's going to make 45 million domestic. Stop it. I'm sorry. Hush. Hush. I'm sorry. He's going to
1: hush. He's going to be playing <laughs> Houdini in The Secret Life of Houdini, The Making of America's First Superhero.
0: And I'm kind of... What? Is he Apocalypse?
1: I'm, <laughs> well, remember back, I, my dream was for him to play Doctor Strange. I, I really want I've, him to I've play I've heard Doctor you say that. He's, he'd
0: be perfect. I don't know I, who Doctor Strange is.
1: I don't, I, why am, are we married? I don't know. I'm really, I'm trying to, to, to. Because of my sexy body
0: <laughs> in a vat of water. Hit,
1: hit that hit that no button for me <laughs> right now. No, no, no! There you go. So.
0: The key um, to every marriage yes, is an electronic no button.
1: no button. For the
0: last so, time, no. <laughs> okay.
1: It's real, too. We're done. <laughs> So um, he's up to play this. This sounds like they're wanting to do it a little bit differently than you would think a Houdini movie would be. I think they're going to try and make it a franchise. (laughs) I don't know. I've read some weird things about it. It it actually is based off of a book called that, The Making of America's First Superhero. Um, Hopefully they'll just stick to the historical aspects and not try to make this into something it's not.
0: Can I ask you a question? Sure. Who's going to direct this masterpiece?
1: Dean Parasote. Who is this? Um he I know for a fact that he directed Red 2, which I actually have not seen yet. Yeah, we haven't seen that. Um but that that's all I know right now. Um he Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I completely spaced. He actually directed Galaxy Quest.
0: Oh. I like and, Galaxy Quest.
1: Yeah, and he that I'm kind of wondering where he's going to go with it because he's, uh, I looked him up a little bit actually just now and he did a lot, He did. he's done a lot of TV, but he did do Galaxy Quest and... Um, so I'm
0: thinking, you know, Red to Galaxy <laughs> Quest, those are tongue-in-cheeky kind of moves.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what worries me about it.
0: Yeah, that so, should be the only thing that worries
1: I just wish they'd let him be Doctor Strange. I mean, he's already got all the ties to Disney he could ask for. So
0: who's Doctor Strange?
1: Nobody yet.
0: I mean, but who is?
1: Oh, you mean like you don't you don't even know who he is at all?
0: No, I hear you bring it up all the time, but like most things, I ignore it.
1: Don't you love these? When he's on the show, you get little peaks at my my home life.
0: You get you get little peaks of uh, our divorce filing. Or,
1: yeah, or, or the grounds. Of the you evidence. Got, yes. Yeah. So, so Doctor Strange, um, Doctor Strange is a is a classic Marvel character. His name's Stephen Strange, and he is the master of the the mystical. He has um, he's the sorcerer supreme, and he used to be an actual doc. He is an actual doctor. He's a neurosurgeon. And he gets these magical powers, and uh he ends up becoming like the protector of earth he's got he's just a real badass character he's got this really cool costume that's like a cape, and uh this he does this thing with like his fingers where he got something almost look like devil horns, which I'm sure the religious right enjoys immensely and like back in the 70s as with many a marvel character they had a horribly made live action film about him and the guy had a really rockin perm in it and that's all you
0: need to know (laughs) it was the 70s it
1: was the 70s but he is a wicked badass character in the marvel universe he um he was part of the I think, was it called the Illuminati? I can't remember what they were called. It was this group which had uh, Dr. Strange and Reed Richards and I think Namor might have been in it. Um, and they're the ones that actually shot Hulk into space that caused the whole World War Hulk um, storyline. I mean, he's been around for a very long time. He, he started in the 60s. So he's Doctor there's a lot of history for Dr. Strange for you to go through. And um, just a really interesting guy. Um, uh, he actually was based off, I don't know if you you probably don't know this character either, but there's a, Bell Lugosi was in, uh, he actually played this character in a movie series called uh, the Ma- Shandu the Magician. That's who uh, they based Strange off of a lot.
0: Okay. So you're, the whole time you're saying this, I was thinking Dr. Orpheus from, from Venture Brothers.
1: Pretty much. That's where Dr. Orpheus came
0: from. Okay, good.
1: Dr. Orpheus is based on, is, is a ripoff of Doctor Strange. Unabashedly so.
0: Good. Yeah. See, now I've learned something. <laughs> the more the, I the, know.
1: The more you know. Um, so, yeah, that's happening. Johnny Depp will be playing a role later on in our our episode, of course. Um, so, Hulu is actually talking to Sony about doing another season of Community. Yeah.
0: Uh. You know, I stopped watching Community after the second season, I think.
1: Was it the third season that was the horrible season? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you're probably better off not knowing anything (laughs) about that season.
0: You know what I've been watching, actually, quite a lot? It's Parks and Recreation.
1: Yeah, you've been marathoning that.
0: Yeah, and here's something interesting. Um, I have never seen a single episode of The Office... And all anyone says is that Parks and Recreation is a direct ripoff of The Office.
1: It kind of is.
0: I mean, like, in every way.
1: It kind of is. It's in that, you know what it is? It's in that same vein, like, uh, in the thick of it is, as well.
0: Where? Yeah, but in the like- thick of it, you know, thanks to you having seen a few of these, is that they're not aware of the camera, but I guess in Parks and Rec, and it's kind of like a
1: it's kind of the it, the office they actually talk to the camera. It's right. like some weirdly done documentary is being filmed and following them around.
0: right, and the camera's always where it needs to be right to tell the story
1: right so it's yeah I, and I actually have seen a couple episodes of Park and Rex thanks to you now because i <laughs> I need to sit down and just watch it. It's one of those it's like supernatural people can't realize don't realize I haven't seen a lot of it.
0: It's a it's a good show. I think it started a little slow, but it's it's picking up some momentum. And the only reason I uh, I started watching it is because I wanted to see Chris Pratt do something. <laughs> you know, because I had never seen you he's, know him really. He's do awesome. Anything. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> and I wanted to prepare for Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, by having some idea of his past work, which I think is like the same character. I think he yeah, plays one character. Pretty
1: pretty close. Only he has abs of of epicness in guardians of the galaxy which yeah. he, he i remember when i heard him uh, talking about it he's like they were asking him, what's it like to get you know get in shape like this and he just basically goes it sucks but what about being healthy it sucks but what what about you know your health It sucks i don't want to do this again
0: <laughs> yeah unfortunately that guardians of the galaxy is going to make a lot of money and he's going to have yeah. to do it
1: well, he's still talking about his birthday on the set, and he couldn't even eat the cake that they had for him.
0: Yeah.
1: It's sad. Poor little Chris Pratt. It's
0: tough to make money.
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, let's get delve into TV world for a little bit, which I know that um, I know Troy doesn't know anything about this one because he hasn't <laughs> watched it.
0: Like every sentence. <laughs> we're going to talk about something on the show tonight but Troy doesn't know anything about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Penny Dreadful is a new series that I absolutely am loving everything about on Showtime. Um, It's kind of timely as True Blood's going away. Thank God. Uh, And Penny Dreadful's coming in and reminding us of what is awesome about vampires, and not only vampires, but all of the tropes in the gothic um, horror literature of our past coming to the screen. And uh, it's sort of like uh, an adult League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but with gothic literature instead. Uh, which is kind of what League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was. Even Dorian Gray is in this show. Uh, but it is really, really brilliantly done. I totally love it. Sam, Sam Mendez is executive producer on this. I've talked about it a little bit, I think, before. But this third episode... Kind of knocked it out of the park in terms of story and just epic badassery, um, because Frankenstein's creature is uh, came to the f- the fore of this episode, and we find out um, what he's been doing and and how he's lived, and you get, I, I just he's such a beautifully tragic character, and I love the design that they've done for him in this, and this episode gives you so many. Um, Nice little nods to things like um, he ends up working at a Grand Guggenau's, Guggenau's, I can never say it right, Grand Guggenau's Theater. Um, don't make fun of me.
0: Oh, and, no, I'm just uh, laughing at you.
1: Which, <laughs> which is um, something that um, actually existed back in these in this time period of the 1800s where they would... Uh, do horrible murderous things on stage. Like it was basically shock theater where they'd have blood pouring out of people and, and, and recreate murders and horrible things. And it's a perfect place for him to hide. So he's working there. He gets there on the, um, on the kindness of an actor that works at the place that offers him help. So he's working in the wings and all of this stuff, and he's watching all these, the humanity go on in front of him, and, and learning more and more. And uh, the the play that they're performing at this theater is uh, Sweeney Todd, which was like, yeah, Sweeney Todd, and it was great because they're showing them getting their throat sliced on stage and all this stuff, and it's all very campy. Um, but the episode progresses, and you you realize that you know he's very horribly lonely. And that is part of the reason why he's come back to Frankenstein, and he tells him, "I want you to make, you know, as as he does in the in the novel, I want you to make me a mate." And I think I know where this is heading, because one of the characters in the show, played by Billy Piper, who you may know as Rose Tyler from Doctor Who, her her name in the show is Brona, and she's playing a dying um, Irish uh, immigrant, and she's uh, got consumption. I have a really, really good gut feeling what's going to happen is she's going to become the bride of the creature and it's going to cause a conflict much like it did in Bride of Frankenstein as it did in the novel as well because she is in love with the main character Josh Hartnett's playing named Ethan and he loves her. And I think this is just going to turn into a Greek tragedy just like it does in, in the book. But that's just conjecture on my part. Um, as things are progressing, we get more and more background. And eventually, I hope, Dracula's show- going to show up because they've actually got a Dracula plot in here too. Everybody on this show is great. It's beautifully shot. If you're not watching it, you really, really, really should be. Great show.
0: Okay, so th- I saw the, um, the preview of this when I think we were held captive before a movie. <laughs> you know? And um it looked like they were going to take a lot of different uh, gothic storylines and kind of interweave them into one narrative is that is that how it works?
1: That is what they're doing and it's it's done really well how they're working this.
0: So how do they how do they juggle everything?
1: Well basically what they've done is they've taken um character names and character um plot lines from all of these different works and they've they've kind of whittled them together into this woven this this tapestry of this show and the 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 linchpin of it is uh sir malcolm murray who's timothy dalton who's trying to find his daughter um mina who uh was married to a guy named jonathan harker this sounding familiar
0: yeah
1: and um uh so what happens is Uh, the daughter is kidnapped by this other man that she started a relationship with who was not quite a man and things went bad. And so uh, he's trying to find his daughter. He's got help in this um, girl played by Eva Green named Vanessa. And she's got these, like abilities to channel spirits. She can see things. She has visions and he's, she's driven by guilt to try and help find this girl. Um, they're trying to put together a group that can help them figure out the vampire problem so they find frankenstein who's working in a morgue uh who doesn't flinch at the sight of blood or and he's not afraid to like dig deeper and look at these really cool designs they've got for vampires how they got this working there's a definite Egypt, there's this whole egyptian thing tie in to that to the vampires which is really really cool uh and so frankenstein is helping them that's how he comes into it and then you find out all the past stuff that he's got going on um, and then they bring in Josh Hartnett's character, who is an American gunslinger type, who can, who's not afraid of, of you know, killing a man or going into danger. And he just ha- he, he's he's on a like a Wild West show tour in in England, and that's how they find him. And his connection is Brona, who is this immigrant who's dying, she ends up um, befriending. By befriending, I mean knocking boots with Dorian Gray. <laughs> <laughs> who um is there as well so it all connects and it's really awesome how they're doing it and uh i'm really excited to for this show to keep going i i, I think it's already a hit but yeah i love how they're working all these together i knew it would be good when i saw who was doing it it actually sounds pretty good it, it really is and you know what um there is sex in it. I'm cuz I know some people are getting really tired of like the forced why Game of Thrones. Um stuff, but this one it's there for a reason and it's um, in and in 3 episodes I think we've only had two sex scenes, which if it had been Game of Thrones or True Blood, we'd had eight <laughs> <laughs> at this point. <laughs> so unnecessary gratuitous sex for gratuity's sake, not so much in this. Um. so anyway Penny Dreadful awesome this episode was super good it just keeps getting better really enjoying it
0: you know something uh, that just occurred to me is that I'm wondering if this is what they're going to do with that Gotham TV series
1: oh I think that I think Gotham's going to be great I think it's going to be um, I, I have a good feeling about that show not only <laughs> that that good but, feeling not only is from Sean Pertwee
0: being in it but, but don't you get the feel that they're going to try to a pull a similar situation to Penny Dreadful where you've got all of these, you know, bat universe people.
1: Yeah. But you know what? These character, those characters have always been in the same universe in the, in the, in the, uh, Penny Dreadful universe. This has never happened.
0: Right. But, but I don't think there's ever, I mean, and I don't know this for sure because I don't know anything, <laughs> but I don't think that there's, there's actually been a story like this, it's gonna tell a superhero origin with everyone involved, you know, before they were actually really involved. It would be like having our Christmas story with Peter Parker. <laughs> right? <laughs> You've got this story and it's about this little kid and he wants to get a Red Rider gun and then later on he grows up to be Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's nice. Think-
1: I think it'll be, I, I think it'll be good. I, and I, they have more precedent than Penny Dreadful. You know, they could have hackneyed this really poorly with how they're, they're weaving it together. I mean, they could have just been like, Oh, walking down the street one day, there's Dracula. And he decided to knock out a wolf man. And, and, you know, like it's,
0: it and could his have, hair was perfect. And his
1: hair was perfect. But I, I like how they're doing it this way. It, it it's, it's, really cool it's a really neat story and it gives timothy dalton a lot to do with like being a badass which he is so I'm, i i like it you, i think you ought to
0: watch it uh, i think i will uh, um, but I, i'm like i said I'm, I'm primarily curious if gotham is going to go the same direction and if or if gotham is going to turn into csi gotham
1: i don't know i i, I don't know how they're going to play it but i think it's going to be done well from what i gather it looks good to me so we'll see um i haven't i have seen only the trailers for gotham i haven't seen the pilot so has anyone i'm sure some lucky bastard out there has it's not me though get on that i know um So, um, to the main topic of discussion for tonight, um, the big event that everyone has been talking about online is the fact that Edgar Wright is no longer with the Ant-Man production. Uh, That happened over, we finally had it um, figured out that it was script changes, which is kind of sad because Edgar had been working on the script for Ant-Man since 2006, which it's that's quite a while to put in a lot of work and effort into something. To yeah, eat.
0: but he he's been doing some other stuff in between.
1: Well, and that's kind of the 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 silver lining for me in this. Which I immediately, when I heard he was leaving, I'm like, good. Then go start working on this now. Is the Night Stalker which um, a lot of people are groaning over the fact that it's Johnny Depp wanting to do this, but it's also Edgar Wright wanting to do it as well. And it's actually going to be produced by Disney. I don't know if it's directly a Disney production like their studio or if it's something like, you know, uh, uh, the, the, to give you an idea, Disney also produced Fright Night. The remake. Yes. So, uh, that was a Disney film. And so, Uh, I'm actually really excited about this. I I have faith in Edgar Wright and Johnny Depp uh, working together on something, especially this. Now, what a lot of people may not know is what the Night Stalker is. Uh, They hear that, they may be thinking, oh, Richard Ramirez, that guy that why would disney be making that movie that about the guy (laughs) the
0: (laughs) The serial killer
1: the serial killer why would they be making that the hell disney dark
0: turn for disney
1: Mm -hmm. no the night stalker um is a near and dear to my heart and um this is my uh my teaching of, of of a fangirl on the night stalker the Night Stalker came from a, uh, a book, actually an unpublished book by an author named Jeff Rice, called The Koljak Papers. And uh, the book was taken up by uh, uh, Richard Matheson who penned the screenplay, um, for a t- made for TV movie, called The Night Stalker, um, about a serial killer in Vegas who, it actually is a vampire, and a reporter named Carl Koljak, who goes after him to try and stop him. And to get the you know, get the, the exclusive, because Cole Jack was always about um, getting the, the, the scoop. So it turned out to be one of the biggest um, hits and the uh, most watched TV movie ever at the time it was aired in 1972. And um, it was actually done by Dan Curtis. Dan Curtis um, directed the, uh, the film and it was such a big hit um i'm sorry it was produced by dan curtis and directed um and uh so it was such a big hit that they actually made a sequel called the night strangler and that happened uh actually a year later they they put this up and it took place in seattle and it actually followed kolchak whose career had been destroyed by the events in the first film um he was down on his luck and he runs into his old um Boss Tony Vincenzo, who is the man um I actually really, really loved uh Tony Simon Oakland played him and he was great um he's a, he just put up with so much crap from Cole Jack, but it was because that he really i troy may disagree with me on this because <laughs> of a lot of their scenes together, but yeah. um I always felt that uh Vincenzo put his butt on the line for Cole Jack because he believed in Cole Jack who who was out there trying to get the truth. And so often um, the, the the stories he was trying to tell were the truth, but they were so crazy. And he, he had so many run-ins with the law that he could never get the, the truth across. They, they'd always try and hide it. Um, kind of sounds a little Fox Muldery, doesn't it? Well, there's a reason. Um, so, uh, Dan Curtis actually directed and produced the second movie The Night Strangler, which was a brilliant movie. It, it took place, it actually utilized some of the creepier parts of Seattle, which is the underground city in Seattle. Um if you've never been, you should go. Really cool. Yeah, um
0: you could find the very first Starbucks there.
1: It, actually, it is there. It that's not underground, though.
0: Case in point. You just, uh, just missed that one, didn't you?
1: I know I did shut up. So miss. Sweet and a miss. so um what's also cool about the night stringle you had a lot of really cool um uh cameo appearances in that movie john carradine's in it al lewis grandpa munster's in it even margaret hamilton isn't grandpa
0: in that. munster is he still alive
1: no he passed away finally yeah
0: is he like abe vigoda
1: he was very old yeah. abe vigoda's still alive yeah
0: i know he's a vampire
1: he, he kind of is, I think. Um, but Margaret Hamilton, who was the Wicked Witch of the West in uh, Wizard of Oz, is in it. So, and the thing is, these movies were really kind of sleazy too. That was kind of the cool factor to me is they're really kind of <laughs> naughty. Um, when did you see this? Well, well, The Night Stringler, I. Okay, these movies actually came out. The first one came out in 1972, and the other one was 1973. Now, what's interesting is the fact that um, that uh, these were t- made for TV movies. And in the Night Strangler, I really re- I remember, like in the strip club, that the girl dancer was married to a woman or or was dating a woman a big old butch woman and i was like man this is like risque stuff for back then to be on tv and network tv
0: i didn't realize seattle was so progressive
1: oh well who knew so so anyway i I, just to me that that stands out it's kind of like when you watch um casablanca again and you realize how you know suggestive a lot of that was great yeah, there was a lot of stuff in there.
0: We saw that in the theater.
1: Yeah, we went. Um, they had a really cool showing on a new, new Year's. We got yeah. dolled up and went and saw I hospital. had
0: never seen it in the theater.
1: Yeah, and me neither. It was really, really cool. So, anyway, um, so The Night Stalker and The Night Strangler were the two first TV movies that were made. They were really, really successful and they um, inspired the TV series. And so, what the TV series was, it ended up, uh, Cole Jack and Vincenzo end up in Chicago. And they uh, end up working at the INS, which is Independent News Service. And it's really fun because there's a character named Ron Updike, which Jack just ends, <laughs> relentlessly, relentlessly gives crap to. Just treats like poop the whole show and just does things to, to screw him over. And uh, it, there's uh, Miss Emily, who's like your dear Abby lady. And, and it's just a really great collection of characters but the the core of the show is as always carl Koljack, every man reporter um you know he's just this he he's been doing this for years he's he's a he's kind of a smart ass he's he's not he's got that little bit of sleaze to him but he always in the end tries to stop the evil that he always ends up finding in in everything so uh he end up, ends up battling aliens, vampires, werewolves, uh, vampires again, which is really cool because in, like, um, I think it's the third or fourth episode of the show, they do a, a, a back to the Las Vegas vampire storyline where one of his victims is still alive and comes back as a vampire. And um, you've got, oh, God, who else is he? De- oh, the devil. He has a, sa- he, he takes on a demon. He's got. Um, Roddy McDowell. Oh yeah, well that that's about the same time that that was going on Fantasy Island. Yeah, uh, that could happen. happened. and, have
0: and uh, Kolchak could have been on the boat.
1: That would have been a the great. Love
0: Boat on its way to Fantasy Island.
1: Well, what's even funnier is the Werewolf episode takes place all on a boat. I think I've seen that. It's really good. Uh, you'll recognize a lot of the character actors that are in this series too that show up. Uh, like I said, there's a, a, um, Laura Parker shows up who played Angelique in uh Dark Shadow shows up as a witch in this big surprise. Uh typecasting. Yeah, typecasting. And it's it's just a beautifully done show. And and what's even cooler is Coljack has no class and he's got no real abilities in doing this stuff. He just is smart. He knows what's right and he's He's out for the truth, and so he does crazy stuff that he has no business doing, and he usually screws it up at some point, um, and almost gets killed in the process. But he doesn't stop him; he keeps going. And so uh, the the series only lasted for about twenty episodes, which was sad. It got it, it actually they had an order for like twenty six, and they didn't produce them. So he. Um, we only have 20, and these are all actually available on Netflix streaming where you can actually watch all the, all the series. And I think somebody has snuck up on YouTube the made for TV movies. Now, the cool thing with Cole Jack is that he's still going even, even today. Uh, Moonstone Comics has done a ton of Cole Jack comic books. And what's even cooler is the fact that in some of them, the, the drawings of the extra characters, like the secondary characters that he runs into, are, um, I've noticed are based off of actors today. Like, I, I swear to God, there's one that uh, Morgan Freeman's in. in the uh,
0: Carl Kolchak was my friend.
1: <laughs> that was the longest Night Stalker of his life. So... That's clever. Yeah, hey, I have moments. Um, but it's really, uh, really good stuff. And they've continued on. Like, there's a crossover even that I own that I am so happy about where the Night Stalker um, meets Dark Shadows. And Carl ends up interviewing the vampire, and that vampire is Barnabas Collins. So you've got Moonstone doing all these great works. Uh, unfortunately, they tried to remake the series back in 2005. With, oh,
0: that's right.
1: Yeah, and it was
0: With horrible. that guy.
1: Horrible. And it's not Stuart Townsend's fault. That's it. Yeah, Stuart Townsend um, had no business being cast. As, it wasn't his fault they cast him. Now, did, uh,
0: Stuart, did Stuart Townsend play Dorian Gray?
1: Yes, we have a of Dorian of... connection.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, okay good. Because I always thought that Kolchak should have been...
1: He was also you know, the what... vampire Lestat.
0: That's right, in that really bad Lestat movie.
1: Queen of the Damned. So the oh, probably, yeah, um, yeah uh, the remake of the Night Soccer TV series didn't last very long at all. Um, firstly, it wasn't just Carl koljak which was the focus, which made the original Night Soccer series so great, because it was all about Carl. You know, it was one man trying to do this on his own, and uh, this. This suddenly had, like, he had buddies and friends, which he never really got from the Night Stalker. Carl was just not the kind of guy that hung, had buddies. Um,
0: no, but but I think a 70s beat reporter, probably a little bit different than, you know, a modern day reporter.
1: Right, well, and it, it just, it did not feel right. They they tried to make it cutesy by having him drive a Mustang in it but it was one of these souped up new mustangs you know i'm sure ford probably paid the money to do that um it just didn't work it didn't feel right it wasn't the night stalker and plus he was like trying to avenge it figure out what the murder of his wife or something so it it was just really weird and they was the fugitive well yeah it was very strange because they were trying to have like that X-Files thing which was have the, the the thread that connects the whole deal like there's an always an ongoing plot line which Carl, the, the Night Stalker didn't need that it was like a movie of the week it was a monster of the week type of thing and that kept it cool and it made sense because he was a reporter so um, anyway that didn't last more than about 10 episodes and it went away uh, but like I said the Night Stalker inspired a lot of things including myself it i i it stuck with me i watched it when i was very young on late night cbs reruns that they would do and uh chris carter who did the x-files was inspired heavily by that show and that is why um is so much of a truth seeker in in the x-files as well as the fact that he even had darren mcgavin show up who played carl uh, in the X-Files in an episode. And it was a great episode. Brilliant um, brilliant one. Uh, so this is why I love this show. There were so many neat things about it. It had a character that you shouldn't like. But you did. And you 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 could relate to Cole Jack. Because there was nothing special about him. Except for the fact that he decided to take this stuff on. Because he knew no one else would. And he... He felt the need to do it. And he always wanted to get the story. But even against the odds. Whenever the, the story was taken from him. He still kept trying. And so. I heavily, heavily recommend you. Go out and watch these on Netflix streaming. To get to know this. Because we're going to get a remake of it. Hopefully. I, I, I'm i really hoping that Edgar Wright sets it in the 70s. I really do. Because it would make a lot more sense. Um, and. I think it's just one of the best shows ever made on TV. It's because it's just so good and it still holds up. Even if it's set in the seventies, Carl's look and attitude is eternal. That, that white crappy suit, the white sneakers and that. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. So yes. Um, that is the Night Stalker and uh, you can find stuff online about it um, like I said the, the two original movies are probably on YouTube but they're not on print anymore I don't believe on DVD but I own them <laughs> um, and the entire series you can stream on Netflix streaming and it may even be on Hulu now so that is teachings of a fangirl the Night Stalker edition uh, Troy you got any questions
0: no I do not you want to watch
1: the Night Stalker
0: Oh, I've yeah, I had never actually seen the show until I was married to you.
1: Cause you were a deprived child. Yes,
0: now I've seen them. It's a good show.
1: You're a depraved child
0: too. Depra- <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well You you keep using that word.
1: I do not think it means. What do you think it means? So with that, um, I want to thank everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, If you have any questions for me about the Night Stalker or anything that you want to share about it, please do. Email us or uh, post on fangirlmag.com. Troy, I want to thank you for being on. Sure. And um, with that, we will talk to you later and we'll see you next week on Fangirl Radio.